Hey guys, it's Blake, and you're listening to an all-new episode of Blonde Hair, Blackheart. So, we've got some news coming out of the Bravoverse. Some very controversial news to start out with. One of our favorite, or least favorite, I don't know, it's hard to keep up, but I'm sure somebody's favorite and somebody else's least favorite fuckboy, Shep Rose, is being called out for being an idiot online after posting that he doesn't understand why women are into small, skinny guys like Pete Davidson or Harry Styles. Okay, so as a tall, skinny, string bean boy, I'm deeply offended. No, not really, I couldn't care less. But it was also the implication that they're somehow less masculine than he is that I think bugged people. Um, let us also not forget that gender and gender ideology, you know, the very notion of what is masculinity, are st are societal constructs. You know, what we think of as masculine or manly, those aren't traits that are necessarily inherent to all men. Um, you know, these are traits that our society has defined as masculine. If you don't have these, then you're not masculine. And as somebody who grew up, you know, skinny, scrawny, unathletic, artistic, creative, dramatic, flamboyant, I've heard the same shit that Shep is saying my whole life. And guess what, Shep? A lot of women have found me very sexy. Men too, because I'm a vibe, honey. And clearly, Pete Davidson and Harry Styles are a vibe, honey, because, I mean, look at them. Basically, it's time that men stop talking about shit that they know nothing about, like what women want. It's time that men start listening. Take note. Pay attention. It's not about how skinny they are, and I doubt it's that, you know, a lot of women are just deeply attracted to men in feather boas. It's about who these guys are. You know, their personalities, what they stand for, what they represent, how they treat the women that they're with. I mean, honestly, if you had told me a few years ago that Pete Davidson would end up being a heartthrob who has dated some of Hollywood's most beautiful women, I wouldn't have believed you. But had you told me that Pete Davidson was a better dude than Shep Rose, I would have been like, yeah, that tracks. In other Bravo news, my mother-slash-queen-slash-favorite housewife, Heather Dubrow, is in the news because... Every time she breathes, people act like she just tried to murder someone. This time, they're saying that she and Terry got into a huge fight at Javier's and she was wagging her finger in his face. In the pictures taken by fans slash fellow Javier's diners, they were clearly just talking. Heather talks with her hands, specifically her pointer finger. This isn't some new revelation. So Heather and Terry took to her IG stories to clear the air, and of course now people are screaming damage control and thou doth protesteth too much, but like, had they not said anything, people would have made a big deal over that, saying that they're hiding or something. You know, I, I just feel like my mother can't catch a break. She is dogged so hard, especially for a housewife who really hasn't hit below the belt the same way that so many others have. Speaking of, Smelly Dud went on her podcast to discuss the news because, you know, Heather breathes and Smelly's gotta talk about it, and she made a comment that I found absolutely disgusting. She says she knows Heather to wag her finger, I mean, don't we all, but this is the reason why her kids have so many issues. So what exactly does Kelly mean by issues. You know, the way she said issues, and given what she said about Heather's kids before, and what she said about LGBTQ people before, I put two and two together and I got four. You know, Heather's kids have never had any uh, quote-unquote issues on the show. They've never had any bad press. They're good kids, so the only thing that I know Kelly Dodd would judge them on is the fact that at least two of Heather's kids identify as queer. 
So especially given this weekend's tragic shooting at a Colorado gay club, even implying something like this is so disgusting. You know, to imply that A, being queer is an issue, and that B, it's something that your mom's wagging finger could cause. Like, it's so stupid and so dangerous and just so on brand for Smelly Dud. I honestly will never understand for the life of me how Smelly Dud has managed to remain friends with so many of the OC wives after commenting on their marriages, their looks, and their bodies, their children. She's a trash human, and I fully support Heather and Terry, who are madly in love, by the way, and all of their queer kids. Yeah, the straight kids are cool too. Okay guys, so I asked you all to submit your questions for another Q&A. I love doing this. I feel like it's so fun to um, get questions from you guys and for me to know what you guys are curious about. And it's a really fun way for you guys to get to know me a little bit better. Um, and after all, I love talking about myself. So let's get into it, shall we? Now, as always, I have not reviewed these questions ahead of time. I have not prepared my answers. Um, I don't know what the questions are. I'm just going to kind of go through them. Uh, so this may just be like me rambling on and on about nothing, but um, that's what the fast forward button is for. So Okay, someone asks, would you be on a franchise of The Real House Gays if they turned that into a show? I mean, obviously. I feel like I'm manifesting that um, in my real life just by, like, being me and being a house gay. <laughs> I mean, I work. I do have a job. Um, but I work from home, so, like, I, a lot of housewivesy type things. Um you know, if I could be like a traditional 1950s housewife and stay home and just like take care of the kids and I don't know, like just wash dishes all the time, I would do it. I don't, that life does not sound unappealing. I don't know, guys. <laughs> okay. If you could trade lives with any housewife for a day, who would it be? Oh, this is a tough one. Um... I mean, honestly, I, I don't know if I would trade lives with any housewife. Okay, this might sound crazy because I'm not even a fan of hers, um, but maybe Kyle Richards. I actually feel like Kyle has like a pretty cushy life. Um, like she's she's going and doing like, you know, Halloween 12 and that like dumb Christmas movie she did last year because she wants to, not because she has to, you know, and that's the life I'm trying to live where like... Everything I do is because I want to, not because I have to. Um, maybe Crystal Minkoff, too, you know? She's someone who everything she does is because she wants to, including the Housewives show. That's the one thing that Kyle has to do is the Housewives show. Crystal doesn't need it. Um, but if I had to if I had to choose like one person from the Bravo verse or like the Bravo world, I would trade lives with Andy Cohen. I mean, he's got the greatest job. I envy that guy so much. Um, he is goals and not because like he himself is is anything special, but like this world he's created for himself is so special. And, and he just like has created all of these incredible opportunities. Like watch what happens live. The fact that he just gave himself a show and no one watches it, but it's still on and like ugh, good for him. Okay, someone writes, I hope this doesn't offend you, but when you came out to your family, were they supportive from the get-go or did it take time? Um, I am so lucky. My parents were so cool about it. Um, I was always like nervous to come out, not because I was like afraid of my family's response or reaction or like thinking that they were going to like disown me or anything like that. Um, 
it was more just like nervousness of like the awkwardness of it all. Like I don't think any kid likes having a conversation about their like sex life or sexuality or like any anything personal like that with their parents. So for me, it was just like, ugh, I don't want to have this like weird convo until I know that I need to. So my mom, I came out to because she like she knew she found out and and she asked me about it. And so I told her Um, and then I didn't come out to my dad for a few years um, after that. And when I did finally come out to him, it was because I had started dating my now husband and we were getting pretty serious. And I was like, okay, I guess it's time. Like, I want to start bringing Matt around, you know? Um, So I remember texting my dad and being like, hey, like, there's something I wanted to talk to you about. Do you mind if we, you know, like, find, find time to talk? And so we planned, we, like, scheduled a phone call. It's just, it was so, like, so like professional and organized and like, you know, put it in my planner. Um, and I remember I was so nervous to call him and I did and he answered and I, you know, just kind of right away was like, look, I just wanted to tell you that I have started dating someone and this person's really important to me. So I wanted to let you know, and this person is a man. (laughs) Um, and I kind of laid it out there like that. And my dad was so cool. He was literally just like, oh, awesome. Like, do you, do you guys want to come over for dinner? Like, what is it? What are his favorite foods? Does he have any allergies or food restrictions? Like, it was just so kind of nonchalant. Um, and I think that that is exactly what I needed. Because like I said, it was like the awkwardness of it all. I didn't need some long, drawn out conversation or like any weird questions. You know, I just wanted it to be normal. And that's how my parents treated it. And that's how my family has all treated it since then. Um, And I am so grateful for that. So yeah, it was a a really great experience. And I know how lucky I am. Um, My husband, Matt, did not have the same experience when he came out with his family. And so, you know, we talk about those kind of uh, alternate experiences that we had and um, how they shaped us and and impacted us and and yeah I, I definitely recognize that I am extremely lucky and I hope anyone who is maybe struggling with coming out or, or you know has gone through that themselves I hope that you all had or have good experiences um it's you know it's a weird thing it's a weird thing that like straight people don't have to go through and it's also something that you will you you never you won't just come out once like i always say i will i'll be coming out for the rest of my life like every time i meet someone new and they make an assumption like they see my wedding ring and they ask about my wife i like i have to come out again i i come out every time i meet someone and it's such a weird thing and i really really hope that one day we don't have to do it because it's so Aki's, guys. Like, imagine having to, like, talk about your sex life every time you met someone. It's just, ugh, it's weird. Anyways. Okay, so while we're on the subject, someone says, how long have you been married? And then they said, in parentheses, such a cute couple. Thank you. I think we're pretty dang adorable. Um, we have been married for just about four years now, and we've been together for about seven years. Um yeah, he is the greatest. I need to bring him back on the show soon because you guys always love it when he has his appearances. He's like so cute and like not in like in the know when it comes to this stuff. So I love bringing him on and talking about Bravo because it's like that that scene in Mean Girls when Regina's like, Ugh, he's such a Martian, you know, like <laughs> he's he is such an alien. 
Oh, this is sweet. Someone says, and this is, uh, I think, must be in response to like some of my Instagram videos, but they said, I know and can tell that you have a beautiful singing voice. So will you sing for us as yourself? Um, okay, so I'm I'm going to insert here. Uh, I did a little cover of Robin's Dancing on My Own, and I posted it to my Instagram probably like two or three months ago. So I'm going to uh, just insert that here. Um, so here's just a little clip of me singing. Somebody said you got a new friend Does he love you better than I can? There's a big black sky over my town I know where you're at, I bet he's around Yeah, I know it's stupid But I just gotta see it for myself I'm in the corner watching you kiss him Whoa. I'm right over here, why can't you see me? guys i hope you enjoyed that um if you didn't then go get your ears checked <laughs> no i'm kidding all right someone says favorite and least favorite housewives franchise um okay my favorite this is such a weird answer but my favorite is orange county and that's not like necessarily present day orange county but like just which one if i had to take one box set to a desert island where i was going to be stranded for the rest of my life like it would be Orange County. Um, and then my least favorite, I think, oh God, you guys are going to get so mad at me, but I think Miami. Um, I mean, Miami's good. Here's the thing. The, the, the like reboot season four, y'all loved it. And I thought it was a little bit bland. Um, but the original three seasons of Miami, Fuego. All right, let's see. What housewives do you like that aren't good housewives, and which ones do you dislike but are good housewives? For example, I loved Quinn, but she was a terrible housewife, and I can't stand Tamara, but she's a great housewife. Okay, this is a phenomenal question. Um, okay, so I think... Oh my god, this is so, so good. I mean, I think a housewife that I can't stand but I recognize that they're a really good housewife is Teresa Judice. Like, as a person, I think she is... I mean, I, I don't necessarily think she's a bad person. I think she's too dumb to be a bad person. But, like, watching the show... I, I never agree with her. I always think, and, and don't don't get me wrong, I'm not like a Melissa Gorka stan or anything, but I just, I don't really like Teresa. I imagine that like knowing her, to know her is to hate her and like being in a real life situation with her would be extremely frustrating, but she's a phenomenal housewife. Like I could watch her forever, you know? Um, 
And that's why this is such a good question because how many of us feel that way about so many of these Bravo celebrities? Like you cannot stand them and yet you can't look away. It's, it's a phenomenon, truly. Um, and then, okay, so a housewife that I like that isn't a good housewife. Um, I mean, a lot of people said that Tiffany Moon wasn't a great housewife, but I disagree. I think she was actually really, really good. So I don't even know why I'm saying that. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Who is good but not a great housewife? I mean, maybe Ebony on uh, Roni. Um, I, I liked her, and I think that she... I think she's really smart, and I think, you know, she actually handled herself well with the women in light of... Um, you know, the really difficult kind of like subjects that they were broaching and what she was experiencing as the first black housewife on Roni on a cast with like, you know, a bunch of Karens. Um, so as a person, I like Ebony, but I don't think she was a great housewife. With that said, I do not think that she got the show canceled in the same way that I don't think that Tiffany Moon got Dallas canceled. Like, I actually think Tiffany was a great housewife. I think how Tiffany handled, you know, the microaggressions that she was facing was much more like in line with the style of the housewives. Like, you know, she was on the receiving end of a lot of like Asian hate and microaggressions. And so rather than lecture them or be like, well, now I'm going to teach you the history of, of, you know, my culture. She was like, okay, well, I'm just going to feed you crickets. <laughs> like it was fucking brilliant. So, um, yeah, I, anyways, Ebony, I don't think handled all of those things in the most entertaining way. So I don't think she's a great housewife. Okay, someone asks, what did you think Andy meant when he said that Bravo was done with Jen Shaw? Do you think that she'll be at the reunion? Did they stop filming with her once she pled guilty? What's happening? Um, okay, so no, I don't think that they stopped filming. I think they continued going with the season. Um, I do think at that point, by the time she pled guilty, they were toward the end anyways. And I think that that's why it's such a tricky situation, because once she did plead guilty, I think that Bravo realized like, okay, we have to cut ties with her. But at that point, they couldn't, you know, edit her out of the season um, or or just fire her mid filming because they only have five main housewives. So that would take it down to four. Um, so I think they, you know, continued filming. I think she will be, you know, in in all of it. Um, I don't think she'll be at the reunion because she will probably be in prison. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's what Andy meant is that she will be preoccupied. Um, you know, I, I just think she's got other things on her plate coming up. And by other things on her plate, I mean a, a slice of white bread and like maybe some beans or something. I don't know. What do they feed you in prison? Uh, it doesn't sound good, though. All right, someone asks, when watching one of the Housewives shows, what would you consider a good season versus a bad season? Is there anything for you that can make or break a season? Um, this is a really good question, too. And I feel like there's a lot of different things that can make a good season, and there's a lot of things that could make a bad season. Um, and, like, part of that is storyline. Um, part of that is casting. Part of that is where we are in like the world and the general public and like, you know, um, the, the court of public opinion. Like I, I think a lot of things that maybe happened on the show 10 years ago wouldn't fly now. So I think all of those things play a role. Uh, 
we're in kind of an interesting time in the Housewives where for the last several years, it's like, if there isn't some huge major scandal with someone like potentially being dragged off in handcuffs, we're, we're like not interested or we think it's boring. And I live for like the petty nonsense drama. Like I, I, you guys know, I love the, like, you know, she broke the bow off my cake moments where it's just like, this is so fucking ridiculous, but like, this is what rich women fight about. Um, so I think you could have a great season that is fraught with scandal and you could have a great season that is petty as fuck. Um, it really just depends on, on, I think the, the dynamics of the women on the cast and the authenticity of it all, you know, regardless of what you have, whether you have major, major scandal, um, or you have petty nonsense, if it's coming from an authentic place and all of the women are, you know, reacting to it authentically, then you're going to have a good show. So I think that's the biggest thing is just finding women who, you know, have real, real bonds, real connections for better or worse, and um, have real drama that comes up because of it, you know? I did. I don't even know if I answered that question or if I just gave a lot of word salad. That was like me responding to like an essay question on a on a test in high school. You just try and fit as many words in as possible. <laughs> okay, someone asks, which housewife did you dislike, but now you have grown to love? Um, so uh, I mentioned this actually on my recap of Salt Lake City coming up, um, Lisa Barlow. I could not stand Lisa Barlow season one or season two, really. And this year, when I tell you she is like one of my favorite housewives now, I think I just didn't get her. I think Lisa Barlow is a tough nut to crack. I think it's it's hard because like so much about her is like so like kind of goofy and campy. And I think she doesn't realize that about her. Like, she takes herself very, very seriously. Um, she's one of those people that's, like, hilarious without realizing it. Like, everything she does and says we all think is so funny. And she has no idea why we're laughing, but she's just, like, happy that she's at the center of attention. Um, and so I think for a lot of people, it rubs them the wrong way because they're like, this bitch takes herself so damn seriously and she is, like, so ridiculous. But I think that is is what you should appreciate about her. I think that is exactly why I love her. It's why you should love her. Um, yeah, baby gorgeous for president, 24. Also, Shannon Bedore is one of these for me. Shannon Bedore is someone who her first season, she came on so hot. And I mean, as you guys know, I love Heather Dubrow. So I like Shannon's first season, she she went hard against Heather. So I was like, fuck you. Like, leave my mom alone. Um, but, you know, as the show progressed, I really came to know and love Shannon Bedore. And now, like, even last season, season 16, when when Heather and Shannon, you know, were butting heads, I, I didn't just, like, revert back to, like, oh, I'm Team Heather. Like, I really did struggle because I was like, oh, I love both of them so much. Um, I love Shannon Bedore. And now going back and watching her first season, that season, you know, with her and Heather and Chairgate and We're Done, Please Leave and You'll All See the Truth, like, ugh. That I could go back and rewatch that season. Like, fuck the box set. I just need that season to take to the island. 
One of the best things about growing up in Arizona is that there's incredible Mexican food on every street corner. And you know what goes best with good Mexican food? Traditional Mexican horchata. Don't know what horchata is? It's creamy, delicious rice milk flavored with cinnamon, vanilla, and sugar. Okay, you thirsty now? Me too. Luckily, even if you're far from the southern border, you can get your horchata fix every day with cinnamon. Cinnamon is a brand created by my good friend Tyler, who is even more obsessed with horchata and all things cinnamon than I am. He's developed all natural skincare products and more, crafted in California with ethically sourced ingredients and infused with real cinnamon. Have you heard of the antibacterial, antifungal, antiviral, or antioxidant properties of cinnamon when applied to the skin? Or how about how it helps treat acne? What about how cinnamon promotes blood flow, helping with skin elasticity by bringing blood flow to the surface of the skin and helping to moisturize skin with all of that added circulation? Some of my personal favorite products from Cinnamon are their signature lip balm that gives your lips a sweet tingle and a subtle natural plum, their all-natural deodorant developed for sensitive skin, and the Coco Chata body beverage that leaves your body hydrated and smelling like heaven. They even have candles and air fresheners to keep your entire home, car, or office smelling like your favorite dessert. With Cinnamon, you'll enjoy all the benefits Cinnamon has to offer your skin and your senses. Visit cinnamon.com, that's S-I-N-M-I-N.com, and use code Blake at checkout for 15% off your total order today and receive free shipping on all orders over $50. That's code Blake for 15% off your order at cinnamon.com. I may have a black heart, but I can be sweet sometimes, and Cinnamon definitely helps. Okay, let's talk about the Real Housewives of Potomac. So Mia and Peter Thomas are apparently BFFs, which I found so interesting. Mia has been to all of the openings of Peter's various bars and restaurants, so this wouldn't be the first time that a housewife from one city had a long-term connection with a Bravo Leb from another show. Um, I'm thinking Bethany and Kyle or Brandy and Kristen Takeman, but for some reason, it just feels like Mia was using Peter to climb the Bravo ladder. Anyone else? No? I don't know. Maybe this isn't true, but in my mind, it is. Mia and her friend Jacqueline are bickering like sisters, and tensions seem to be rising between the two. It's weird to me that Jacqueline's even there on this trip, TBH. Like, is she an official friend of, or is Mia just trying to make her into one? Wendy and Karen sit down to talk about how Karen is just trying to have a good time and how she really has no time to go to lunch or for long walks with Charisse. You know, a quick matcha date at Starbu will have to do. Mia tells Giselle and Ashley that they're gonna go to Peter's restaurant for dinner, and Ashley and Giselle ask if Wendy knows that they're going there, and Mia acts all nonchalant like, why would Wendy need to know? Now remember this, because it's gonna be important later. Mia then goes on to tell the girls about how Peter has beef with Wendy over this restaurant deal, which leads Giselle to tell them about how she heard that Wendy did research to find out something that she and Peter have in common so she could ask him to go into business together. Ashley and Mia flip out as if this is, like, super scandalous, but it doesn't sound that weird to me. Like, she probably just heard that Peter was a money guy, and she wanted to get into a new business, and she was like, okay, he does restaurants, I'm Nigerian, where's the middle ground there? A Nigerian restaurant. Like, I highly doubt she was hiring a PI to find out some secret about Peter so she could trick him into going into business with her. So far, I'm still Team Wendy. The ladies are all taking shots and talking about frog assholes before heading out to the restaurant, and they get into the sprinter vans, and Mia immediately starts making fun of Charisse in between hurling insults at her bestie Jacqueline. It's funny because just last week, Mia was talking about how much she loves and admires Charisse. You know, Mia is getting faker and faker by the week. 
In the other sprinter van, the green-eyed bandits, Sharice and Ashley, are talking about pooping in front of your husband. So I 1000% go to the bathroom in front of my husband, pee, poop, farts, all of it. And before you say, oh, it's because you're both guys, like, I used to date women and I would fart in front of them too, so, you know. I don't know about the walking around naked stuff though. Like if your kids are kids, then sure, they don't even know what a vagina is. But once they hit tweenage years, I feel like you should be a little more reserved. Like just for their sake, you know? To quote Valerie Cherish, your kids don't need to see that. So the ladies arrive at Peter's Place, or whatever this restaurant is called, and Mia accuses Jacqueline of being a hookah addict before the ladies all get into the drama going on with Candace and Chris. Ashley asks who said that she mentioned Chris touching a friend's butt because she didn't say it. The ladies all say that they remember hearing it, but flashbacks don't lie, and per usual, Giselle is messy 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 because she was the one who started this rumor after all. Giselle keeps the messiness up by asking Karen and Charisse about their convo at the airport, and the two act like they're all hunky-dory. Sorry guys, it had to be done. But they act all fine and Charisse redirects her beef toward Wendy, who questioned whether Charisse was really coming around with good intentions or not. Wendy throws it back to Mia, who called Charisse theatrical over the housing accommodations. The beef ball gets volleyed back over to Karen, who says she moved on from the Charisse drama years ago, and Charisse scoffs and says that Karen has been avoiding her from the beginning, but Charisse, darling, it's easy to avoid someone who's not on the show. Peter stops by for a jovial hello, which is not awkward enough for Mia, so she needs to mix it up. She goes and asks Peter what the beef is, and Peter explains that Wendy went MIA. Again, sorry guys, it had to be done. And he's mad that she would show up to his restaurant without clearing all of this up. So this is why it's important to remember that Wendy didn't know that they were going to Peter's restaurant, and Mia made it clear that she had no intention of telling her. I smell a setup. So while Mia is being shady with Peter, her friend Jacqueline is being shady at the table, throwing Miss Mia under the bus a little bit. We can already see the cracks in this friendship forming, getting deeper and deeper. At this point, Mia lets Wendy know that Peter's got beef, and Wendy replies that she doesn't got beef with men, to which Mia immediately jumps on the defensive. Don't start it. Um, Mia, love, didn't you just start it? When you got up and went over to Peter and asked him for the tea and then came back and spilled the tea all over the table? No? So Wendy, like the rest of us, is confused. Mia tells her that Peter has been waiting on her to sign the contract, but Dr. Wen explains that she's been waiting to see the venue. She's not signing a lease agreement without setting foot inside the space, duh. Then, Mia tells Wendy that Peter is mad that she wouldn't let him know that she was coming to his spot. So again, Mia did not tell Wendy that they were going to Peter's restaurant, remember? Messy Jizzy starts chiming in under her breath, saying, it's business, it's business, which like, Giselle, honey, what do you know about business? Wendy starts explaining that she doesn't feel the need to call Peter or anyone but her husband to let them know where she's rolling up or when. This trip wasn't about her business deals with Peter, so why would she call him to let him know that she was coming to town? After all, she didn't even know that they were going to Pete's Pizza Place or whatever the fuck this is. Like, Mia set this up intentionally. Mia takes her glass and throws her drink at Wendy, which sends Karen running like she was Kyle Richards in Amsterdam, and Wendy obviously gets activated. Mia tells Wendy to GTFO, and when Wendy asks back or what, Robin chimes in that Wendy is so antagonistic. But, um, excuse me, Miss Dixon, did you not just see Mia throw her drink at Wendy? The hate these women have for Wendy is unreal. How they see her as the antagonizer in any of this is bizarre. Like, Robin and Giselle have beautiful green eyes, but I think their vision is fucked. 
So Robin busts out her cell phone and starts videoing Wendy as if Wendy's a Karen screaming at a teenage Target employee, and as if there aren't seven professional cameramen recording all of this in high def. Like, for real, if you want to talk about antagonistic, let's discuss you shoving your camera phone in her face right after she just had a drink thrown on her. Mia finally storms off, but not before Wendy can imply that Mia and her husband are in a thruple with Peter and call her a crater-faced bitch, and Karen explains how she lives part-time in the Matrix. Mia comes back and Karen tries to play Peacekeeper, which pisses Giselle off, and this is very telling if you ask me. She sees Karen being real with Mia and Giselle tells her she's being fake and phony. If someone isn't creating mess, Giselle don't want it. Mia's sheer presence back at the table sets Wendy off to the point where she is basically dragged away by a producer, then she comes straight back because there's a show to make, ladies, and the food hasn't even been served yet. At this point, Wendy does become antagonistic. Ugh, damn it, Robin, why do you have to be right? She, she just took it too far and she couldn't let it go, which sets Mia off, who like legit attacks, which is exactly what Wendy wanted. She wanted to make Craterface look like a psycho face. And she did. Okay, on last week's Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, Lisa, Whitney, and Jen go skiing, and honestly, Lisa Barlow's total disdain for anything outdoorsy or athletic is so relatable. Like, honestly, season one and two, I did not like Lisa Barlow, but she has so quickly become my favorite Salt Lake housewife, 1000%. Jen talks about how she's mastered the art of skiing by mastering the art of taking anti-anxiety meds, and frankly, I think that's the secret to most activities. The girls talk about their auditions for Heather Gay's choir and how shocked they all are that they made the cut, but I don't know why Lisa Celine Dion Barlow is acting surprised because she knew she was not only going to be hired but also be chosen for every solo. They discuss Heather and her support of Angie and Chris, and how she's built her house of cards on a foundation of lies or, I don't know, some metaphor about how they all hate Heather. The thing about Heather Gay is that she wants to be liked by everyone, and what always happens when you saddle the fence and play all sides? Everyone ends up hating you. So the husbands all get together to eat barbecue and repeat the South to your mouth over and over again. And okay, Seth is actually so adorable and I really enjoy him, but I can't deal with his fucking mullet. Someone needs to strap him and Kyle from Summer House down in Barber's chairs, grab the clippers, and just go to town. Please. For the love of our eyes. Please. Then Seth and John Barlow have a chat, and it is so awkward and uncomfortable. And it feels incredibly forced, like production made them talk, and they really have no interest in talking IRL. I didn't like how John handled it though, to be honest. You know, Seth asked him, point blank, how would you feel if Meredith had called Lisa a garbage whore and said, you weren't able to keep a job? And instead of acknowledging how fucked up that was, he just immediately goes into, well in Arizona, months later, your wife said stuff about my wife, so it's all even, as if it's the same or makes it all okay. Like, at least acknowledge that your wife did get the shit train a-rolling, so be like, yeah, I totally get how fucked up that was, I know it was certainly hard for us to hear what Lisa said in Arizona. Like, at least sandwich your side with an acknowledgement of the other person's side. It's conflict 101. Anyways, I give Seth a lot of credit. He remained cool, calm, and collected with John's smug little face looking at him, but still team baby gorgeous. So this little men's night quickly turns into a group therapy session. Um, it's not needed. Like, 
sadly, I was not compelled at all by this scene. Um, however, it was interesting to see how much more emotionally mature most of these men are than their female counterparts. Like, how is Coach Shaw the way he is, and Jen Shaw is the way she is? It's so confusing. Then, Meredith is cooking dinner with her sister and her niece and nephew, and it is all hands on deck. No, like, literally, did you see how many hands it took to slice a lemon? <laughs> then, Jen and Angie Kay head to choir rehearsals, and Jen is explaining how she feels let down by Heather Gay because Heather didn't tell Angie H. that it was unequivocally wrong that her husband, the fat elf on a shelf, made the Finsta account. So, Okay, this one hit home. As you guys may remember, I had a falling out with some friends earlier this year that stemmed from one friend making a lot of really shitty and harmful decisions that impacted the rest of us. There was another friend in the group who would defend him and have his back, like, seemingly to the ends of the earth, it felt like, and that eventually caused us to stop being friends. It feels like this is the exact same thing. I, like Jen Shaw, needed you to defend me when it was a matter of right versus wrong. Like, it wasn't about picking sides or saying that you hate the other person or that I am right in everything, but when there are very clear examples of right and wrong and you can't muster up the, I don't know, uh, courage, integrity, loyalty, whatever it takes to be honest and hold a friend accountable, then you're not a real friend to anyone, like, not either side. So yeah, this is me relating to Jen Shaw, surprisingly. Um, but this is the same friend that I was telling you guys about a few weeks ago who got married, and I was contemplating reaching out, and I had asked you guys to send me your advice or what you would do in that situation and if you would reach out to old friends after a fight to say congratulations during an important moment in their lives. Um, and a ton of you guys reached out and gave me some great advice, and honestly, most of you said that I should send my friends who got married a text and just say congrats and maybe let them know that I was thinking of them and let that be the catalyst for clearing the air or moving on. Um, some of you said to text them or send them a card with no expectations of hearing back. And one person said, fuck them, let them rot in hell. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, but one person did say that they wouldn't text them and just, you know, let the dead horse lie. Um, so it's been a few weeks and I haven't yet texted them, nor do I think I'm going to at this point. But I, I just wanted to say I really appreciate all of you guys chiming in and helping me work through this. It means a lot, so thank you. Anyways, enough about me. So Angie K tells Jen that Dana called Jen a bully and said that Jen was bullying Angie H, which does not sit well with Jen. Whitney arrives to choir rehearsals, much to Heather's surprise, and Whitney makes a very good point. She's going and singing Mormon hymns for Heather after being extremely vocal about her traumas involving the Mormon church. She's right, she's showing up for her friend. Then, Lisa shows up with the hopes of reminding Heather that thou shalt not lie. She and Heather hash out their issues all to the accompaniment of a humming Mormon choir, which reminds us that this iteration of the Real Housewives universe is absolute camp. It's basically satire. This show is insane, and I fucking love it. Lisa asks Heather, point blank, do you like me? It's a yes or no question. Do you like me? And this is something that I ask my husband every fucking day. True story. I don't think we got a direct answer out of Heather, but well, we know what the answer is. Whitney and Lisa question Heather's memory loss, as she seems to not be able to remember anything these days. Once again, Heather storms off because she can't seem to take the heat. I have a feeling that things are going to continue to heat up around Heather Gay, though, and this is not going to be an easy season for her. Meanwhile, Angie H. apologizes to Jen Shaw and lets her know that she was basically just a casualty in all of this, because Lisa Barlow was the true target. 
Later on, Jen and Angie Kay go have a pool day and start planning their upcoming trip to San Diego, because as we all remember, Jen Shaw can't leave the United States. They call Meredith to tell her the deets, but Dana is with her, which does not please Jen Shaw. What happens next? Well, we got the mid-season trailer, and honestly, shit looks good. Lots of drama still to come, including Heather Gay's black eye, but I swear to dog, if they teased this black eye thing, not only in the main trailer, but also the mid-season trailer, and it's just like, you know, she slipped and hit her eye on the bedside table or something, I'm going to lose my shit, like Jen Shaw finding out that Dana is at Meredith's house. Alright guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I really quickly just wanted to say thank you for always being here, for being my Black Heart Club. Um, you know, it's Thanksgiving week, and I really wanted to extend a message of gratitude. I don't think you guys know how much you mean to me. Doing this show uh, this year has been such a gift to me. It has brought me so much joy. Getting to connect with so many of my listeners has been incredible. Um, I love you guys. I am so grateful for you guys. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Oh, I'd also be so grateful if you guys went and bought some merch. And on Black Friday, we have a really special 35% off sale going on for all Black Heart Club merchandise. So go to our website, blondehairblackheart.com slash shop. Check out everything we've got. Uh, we've got the Black Heart Club merch. We've got um, some really fun uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills Season 12 merch that will only be available through the end of the year. And I just put up a really, really fun holiday design. Uh, Jesus, you're my favorite baby gorgeous. Um, if you follow me on Instagram and you saw my Instagram video, that was a day in the life of Lisa Barlow getting ready for her choir audition, then you know. Um, if not, go check it out, then go buy the shirt. Uh, if Honestly, if anyone buys that merch, I will just die because it's so ridiculous. Um, go give me five stars. I'm like rambling on and on because I just don't want to say goodbye to you guys. I love you so much. Go give me five stars on uh, Apple Podcasts. Um, I don't know. What else? Follow me on social media. Tell your friends about me. At Thanksgiving, bring me up at the dinner table. Ask your, your aunt and uncle, like, hey, have you guys heard of Blonde Hair, Black Heart? And when they say no, play them an episode. See if they like it. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> I love you guys. Bye. Bye.